sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Hopefully, we put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. Kevin Walsh is out today, but we are joined. You see him on FST every day. You see him on Fantasy Game Day on Sunday mornings. It's my main man, Joe Pizapia. And listen, I, if I have a fantasy expert, I can't just shove my diamonds and fugazis down his throat. I want to get his authentic insights, right? We have that opportunity. It's not Walsh. So I don't have to hear about why Carson Wentz will be okay with, you know, uh, college players and you and me in the slot, right? Let's see. Who do you, Joe, think we need to buy low on or sell high on? I feel like we are at the part of the season where some people are just like, oh, what we saw for the last five weeks is definitely going to remain the same. And that's a fool's errand to think that way, right? You got to get ahead of it. So who do we want to get ahead of, either on the negative or the positive side? Who are some guys you are buying low on? Joe, that you think their production will reward fantasy managers in the upcoming weeks? It's all about being proactive, not reactive. That's yes. what you want to do. And you want to look right now and who's got really big talent that is really being underutilized. And the first guy that comes to mind for me is Juju Smith-Schuster because Juju's that guy. And everybody's talking about Claypool right now and Claypool this and Claypool that. And Claypool's great. Well, let's not forget, just a couple of years ago, Juju had an incredible season. And out of the gate, the first couple of games, Juju looked fantastic. He was a little banged up. I know you look at the stat line, he's got 23 catches for 194 and three touchdowns. That's not a huge stat line, but come on now. This is a really good player, and this is a game finally coming up against the Titans this particular week mm. that you're going to have to keep pace with an offense, okay? The Titans are still going to score on you. I don't care what anybody says about that Pittsburgh defense. The Titans are going to find a way with Derrick Henry and the rest of those weapons to put some points up. The other guy for me is DJ Shark, who's been battling injuries. But you look, he's basically catching every single ball that you throw to the guy. And <laughs> his stats are still pretty good. 204, three touchdowns. And that is with missing some time here. So that's the thing. When you think about like injuries, you think about talent. Yeah. DJ Shark, Juju Smith-Schuster, both these guys are low-end wide receiver ones. And I think right now, their value on the open market is somewhere as a middle two, maybe even less of a lower two. And I think that makes them perfect buy lows because these guys have talent, they have roles in their offense, and you know that the second half is probably going to be them involved in the offense. So you're not questioning who they are. They weren't guys that you worried about, oh, does this guy have a role going into the season? No, no, no. Right. None of that stuff is true. These guys are definitively... They're number ones in their respective offenses, yet statistically, they're not showing that right now. However, that's only a matter of time. And yes, there's been some emergence in Jacksonville, too, with guys like Cole, guys like Shashalt, right, right. who are getting involved in the offense. But still, Shark is still the best receiver on that team. Same goes for Juju. Claypool's been great. And maybe Claypool is going to be the 1A, but let's not forget about Juju. And it's one thing we know about Big Ben is that he will always overcompensate back to the other guy whenever he starts sure. chirping about, hey, where's my balls? I don't understand. We've seen that in the past, so mm -hmm. don't be shocked if you don't see it again this weekend. Yeah, I'm all about DJ Chark. Do, 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 DJ Chark in that offense. And I think they're going to have, you know, the, the game script, Minshew slinging it. I'm, I have Keelan Cole in a lot of places for mm -hmm. that same reason. I do want to ask you about Juju, though. Um, you've probably heard me use the term the fantasy herd, right? Which is a great mm -hmm. thing for the actual NFL team. 
but a bad thing for your fantasy team. And with Juju, everyone talks about the emergence of Chase Claypool. I want to bring up a different Steelers wide receiver, Deontay Johnson, who has actually been out the last couple of weeks, right? And I wonder, what does the allocation of opportunity targets look like when they have everybody in the mix when Dio is healthy and Claypool has emerged and to your point Juju is still you know technically the number one how do you think the roles look in this offense right because Juju gets in and out of his breaks Dio is the guy in the slot the shifty guy Claypool is still the outside the receivers down the field big body target at six foot how do you think it ultimately looks with all of them involved in the herd well, Deontay's my guy. You know that coming okay. into the season. He, I got him everywhere. I got him in our flex league together. Right. I got him in every spot possible. Could Dio be the actual threat, though? To well, do but here's the thing. Targets? Deontay Johnson was the target whore for the first couple weeks of the season. Right. And then he had the concussion. And then he had the back issue. And then he missed time. And next thing you know, Chase Claypool has 17 million touchdowns in two weeks. And now everybody <laughs> wants to talk about him. I think if you're going to, you know, ask who's the loser in this group, I think the loser is Eric Ebron because I think ah. that Claypool is that guy that can go over the middle and has that bigger body and is that red zone target. So I think if anybody takes the major hit in this offense, it would be Ebron from my standpoint because I think Deontay Johnson does some stuff that Juju doesn't. Uh, again, you're playing on the outside. You want Juju in that slot. Claypool's another guy that, again, he does some yeah. unique things with the body type, too, and he's a unique matchup problem in the red zone. So I think in PPR with Deontay Johnson, you're going to be okay when he comes back and healthy and everybody's rocking and rolling. We've seen three receivers in this offense be productive before. My question is, though, you know, in standard leagues and half PPR, Deontay gets a little bit knocked down the shelf right now because Claypool has the touchdown upside, and I think that's where things get uh, get more complicated. All right, fair enough. I mean, Eric Ebron might still be laughing at James Washington, but that's besides the point. Let's talk on the other side, though. Guys who maybe you like their performance, but you might sell. We've only got a minute left, so we could tease everyone with this, but who's a couple of guys you may be selling on at this point of the season? Well, look, I, I could definitely be selling on James Robinson because yeah. the first couple games were great, but you look he's at the overall numbers, they're terrific. You can sell off that, but look at the last three games, he's averaging just nine yeah. fantasy points per game. Overall, 17, trend going in the wrong direction, and Mike Evans is the other big one. Chronic hamstring issues, and look at those numbers, too. Yeah, he's got six touchdowns, but you know what? More than 60, almost 60% of his fantasy points are tied to those touchdowns. He is not getting volume. The hamstrings are a problem. Godwin's back. I'm really worried about Mike Evans right now going forward the rest of the season. All right, fair enough. I want to ask you a couple of questions about these guys when we come back on the other side of the break. And then we turn our attention to week seven. There's some interesting games where I know it's early in the week, but you may want to get it now, especially if you're going to watch out for the hook. We'll come back with all of that right here. Joe and Dane, early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back right here on to the early line. 
Joe and Dane, Joe in for Kevin. We appreciate him being here. You can see him on FST. You can see him on Fantasy Game Day. And, you know, fantasy is in the title of all the shows that Joe does. So I wanted to ask him at about some of his buy and sells. And he put up there in the cell. And I, I got to tell you, Joe, I have the same opinion. I saw you talk about Mike Evans in this way. And I know that Craig Misch, your co-host, pushed back on you. And, and, and for me... I get what you're saying. The hamstrings are real. The yardage output is concerning, right? <laughs> Here's the way I want to ask you about it. And, you know, I respect you as a very intelligent guy who knows baseball as well. So this is the way I'm going to frame it. There are some dudes in Major League Baseball whose BABIP is actually 400, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they yeah, actually right. yeah, yeah. are that way, right? Mm -hmm. I believe there are some wide receivers in the NFL that you can depend on the touchdown numbers. And if there was anybody in the NFL that you could depend on the touchdown numbers, if we lined up five fantasy experts and asked one wide receiver who you could make that claim for, I bet someone will say Mike Evans, right? So I believe mm -hmm. I can almost hang my hat on that touchdown production, and that's why I wouldn't look to sell him per se. Talk to me about that. Do you buy that touchdown regression is going to happen? You don't believe in the touchdown part of Mike Evans? It's not about touchdown regression. Okay. And see, this is the difference. And this is this is great. Talk this is a perfect question for Talk me because me. I am always the guy. I am pro Chris Carter. I am in that camp, right? All you do is catch touchdowns. Awesome. Give me all the touchdowns in the world. That's not what the problem here is. The problem is that right now, hamstrings aren't good. You saw another down week last week. Yeah. You look at where he's catching the touchdowns and how he's catching the touchdowns. One you know, when you see the stat lines with two receptions for two yards and two touchdowns, that is a very dangerous line because what does it tell you? It tells you Mike Evans doesn't have the burst to get by people anymore. Mike mm. Evans doesn't have right now the health and the hamstring to blow guys away. If he was having, you know, let's say that game was 131 and two touchdowns, which we've seen <laughs> last year from Mike Evans. Okay. And then he goes dormant for a couple weeks. That's fine. You can live with that version of Mike Evans because he can win you weeks. The problem is he's scoring these touchdowns now and is getting you 12 points. Okay. Right. That's a baseline for Mike Evans, 12 points in a PPR. And he has right. to get the touchdowns just to get you the 12. See, and this is the little kind of layer beneath there where you go underneath mm -hmm. that one layer and you go, okay, well, he's catching touchdowns. That's good. Yeah. But what are the touchdowns? Where are they? How are they? They're right at the, at the goal line, basically. And that's the thing. If he's not healthy and you're getting Godwin back and Scotty Miller is useful and Gronk yeah. is going to catch some more balls here and there, I'm telling you right now, it's a concern. And the biggest point is, especially going into last week, and now you have another week into it now, this was your opportunity to look at the overall stat line of Mike Evans and see good numbers. And the longer you start to get games that are zeros, the more you get goose eggs, the more all of a sudden the disparity becomes greater and you start to realize, ah, wait a minute, there's a problem here. And you have to recognize there's a problem right now. And I'm not saying that you, know, you want to give him away. I'm saying you could sell him off the overall stat line. Same goes with James Robinson. The overall stat line is great. He's averaging 17 fantasy points, James Robinson. But it's three weeks in a row where he's averaging nine. And that is a big difference. So as great as he was the first few weeks, eh, all of a sudden the last couple weeks have not been good. And they're always playing from behind. And game script is not going the Jaguars way.
No, that's fair enough. And with Mike Evans, he is, in fact, channeling his inner Jerome Bettis with some of his stat lines, <laughs> right? Like, you one catch, three yards, and a touchdown. Sure. I just believe that I can kind of de- like kind of depend on that Tom Brady in those situations is going to throw the high point fade to Mike Evans. So I hear you. But what happens when the healthy Leonard Fournette comes back, too? What happens what when happens he starts when Mike catching Evans the ball a little bit? hamstring is okay in your fantasy playoffs when you actually mm, need him? And he does I don't know, man. Like When's the last time his hamstrings were okay? That's that's my question with fair. him. I, it's I a don't cr- know. And that's the other thing Texas too. A&M if, with if it was Manziel, a different injury, I don't know. <laughs> well, if it was a different injury, I'd be like, okay, yeah. whatever. But it's it's okay. always the guys who have the same. It's the same thing with Steven Strasburg, right? It's always an arm issue. It's it's never like oh, it's a fair. knee. It's it's always an arm thing, and it always just frustrates you, right? With Evans, it's always been the hamstrings. It's always thing, and you're getting older, and you're getting older, and I'm getting older. You yeah. start to know there's certain yeah. things you can't fight anymore. I'm just saying there's an opportunity here to turn Mike Evans into maybe two players or Mike Evans into another good wide receiver that you like a lot. You could turn Mike Evans into Juju Smith-Schuster right now. I can tell you right now you can do that. There you go. Bringing it full circle, Joe. You know, you're right. Mike Evans is probably on a first-name basis with the MRI machine dudes, right? Like, absolutely. (laughs) But we will see as it plays out. You mentioned these Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm looking at Tampa this week in Week 7 as one of the very interesting games that I want to look at at this part of the week because as always here early in the week we got to watch out for the hook i thought we were going to go to the watch out for the hooks it was so that's good okay you know you I really know, maybe you know, do it one right. more time i i almost mm. wanted to start punching just because you did it so okay. good all, all right, right so that's right, what you gotta do joe you gotta all right maybe i'll do the hook Okay, then. Well, don't get knocked out by the hook. And those Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Joe, fit this description right now, right? Mm -hmm. They have a game against the Las Vegas Raiders this week. And right now it's two and a half. I look at these all the time. This may go to a higher number. We know the key numbers of three and seven. Right now, as I look, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Raiders, it says here the Raiders are getting two and a half at home and that is interesting to me is this one that they're actually dogs okay they're not laying the two and a half they're getting two and a half as home dogs this could very quickly move to three though would you want it at two and a half and not take it as three um would you want to get this now or do you want to wait for it to get to the full key number I think I'd wait for it to get to the okay. full number. I, I think you give yourself a little bit more leeway there. But these are some fascinating games that you have out there. And Tampa's one of them. And I will yeah. say this about Tampa Bay, too. Tampa Bay's defense, especially against the run, has been outstanding. Uh, and it was outstanding last year. I think they were second in the league overall against the run last year. So it's not surprising. And, you know, we'll see here if Vegas can get Jacobs right. Because Jacobs is another guy, too. Great first week. Good start to the season. Then some injuries have set in. He hasn't quite been the same since. And then all of a sudden, you know, now you've got to look at, all right, well, where are we right now? Can we continue to push this narrative of rugs and pushing the ball downfield and Derek Carr taking shots? And if you can do that, okay, I can justify that the Raiders can keep this one close. If not, I'm a little worried. You know, I don't want to take too much out of that Thursday night game that Tampa lost to Chicago on the road Thursday. There's a lot of weird things that can happen. But I think whenever you're talking about time to prepare for Tom Brady, time to prepare for Bruce Arians and the Bucks, I think you always got to look at them and say, okay, you know, the Bucks are in a good spot here to, uh, you know, go out there and get a W no matter where they are. And I think the defense really has to take a lot out of last week because it was a great performance against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, the undefeated Packers, I might end you at the time. 
Absolutely. I am warming myself to this Tampa Bay defense led by former Jets head coach Todd Bowles. And you're right. Job one will be to stop Josh Jacobs in this game. Another one that I know you're interested in is Pittsburgh and Tennessee. This is a battle of undefeated teams in the AFC. Right now, the Tennessee Titans, though, are home dogs. Okay. They are getting two and a half points. The minus two and a half is to the Steelers who come in to Tennessee as road favorites we talked even about the injuries on this one Devin Bush on one side the sideline to sideline linebacker replacing Ryan Shazier in that defense and you think oh maybe Tennessee will be able to start running on them but not so fast Taylor Lewan tore his ACL and is down for the season this is an fascinating game to me at the top of the AFC do you want to wait do you think you'll get to the full three for Tennessee as the home dog here or do you want to bet this now when it's under the key number of three well, first of all, I think they should be the home dog against that Pittsburgh Steelers okay. team because the Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. team, I think, is more well-rounded and the better defense, and Tennessee defense has not been good. And then you added the Taylor Lewin injury as well. Uh, I think that is a lot to take in. However, <laughs> whatever the over is in this game, give me that. I don't even need to see the okay. number. Just give me the over because I think that Pittsburgh also hasn't played an offense quite like this yet. And I think they are going to get – and look, they're missing some pieces too. We talked about it before in the first hour. Yeah. Missing Devin Bush is, is not a small piece of the puzzle, okay? That guy's a really good player. So when you're taking guys away on both sides of this game, all of a sudden things open up a little bit for both sides. And I think that's something to keep in mind. So for me right now, I think this line is perfect. I think um, this is exactly where I would expect it to be. I think Pittsburgh should be favored by two and a half. If it moves to the three – I still would be looking at the Pittsburgh side of this game, okay. uh, even if it moved to three, because of the defense and what they can do. But let me tell you, it would not shock me if the Titans went out there and really matched them point for point because they can. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? When do we all have to wake up and actually accept that Ryan Tannehill in this offense, away from Adam Gaze, what do you know, is actually performing as a top 10 quarterback? Joe, just for context, the total in this game is 51 and a half. Go bet it now, over. And when you're doing that, we'll bring in our guy Cam Stewart to talk golf right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Patrick Reed at 25 to 1 has my full attention. Uh, not only because Patrick Reed is, let's face it, not a very popular player. So his number, according to odds makers, I mean, it never really gets bet up, right? Odds makers are not trying to predict the outcome of the golf tournament. They are trying to protect their exposure. And because Patrick Reed is not very popular, he never has a lot of exposure. Uh, so the number is really good. But then you look at what he's done recently. Well, he finished. In a tie for 13th at the U.S. Open, obviously very difficult conditions at winged foot in one of the, the deeper uh, fields that we're going to get on a yearly basis. He played well at the Tour Championship, and the last time we saw him was a few weeks ago in Europe. He played the BMW PGA Championship, which is a 
premier event, if not the premier event on the European tour. There was plenty of big names playing over there in that event. And Patrick Reed finished in a tie for third. Now, what I like about Reed is he did not come back and immediately play in Vegas. He took the time to reacclimate, shake off that jet lag and be prepared for Sherwood Country Club this week. There is no doubt that Patrick Reed is an absolute competitor. We've seen him win a major championship. We've seen him win WGC events. We've seen him win uh, playoff events. He is just an absolute competitor. It doesn't matter how deep the field is. It doesn't matter if if there's a cut or not. It doesn't matter if he's a favorite or not. He seems to always find a way to contend. He's in really great shape right now and with a week off, I do believe this number is longer than it should be. So Patrick Reed at 25 to one has my absolute full attention for this week at the Zozo Championship. All right, welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line, including our radio affiliates from around the country. Thanks for waking up early with us here getting on the grid. Right now, it's Wednesday, so we bring in friend of the show, the raging redhead Cam Stewart. We just heard Patrick Reed is an interesting mm. play. He said at 25 to 1, it has gone down. Right now, our friends at FanDuel have it at 22 to 1. But, Cam, talk to me. I Listen, when I saw this tournament, I was like, the Zozo champ. Championship. Interesting. <laughs> Not a big old yes. brand name one to me, right, Cam? But then I look at the top of the board and I see Rom, I see JT, I see Shoffley and McElroy, Morikawa, and the other big time names. So that makes me think this is a legit tournament. Are any of the big heavy hitters, uh, guys, you like to get it done this week? Yeah, it's funny. Zozo, it's a Led Zeppelin right. album, right? Yeah, they, well, they I usually. It's like a dodo bird, <laughs> is what I thought yeah. of automatically. But hey, yes. Yeah. <laughs> It actually is like Led Zeppelin style. I'm like, well, well, okay, here we go. But this is what we did with COVID, right? So the two last events that were going to be going to be played in the Orient have now been played in uh, in, in California and Vegas, right? So here we go. We're staying in California at uh, Sherwood, Sherwood Country Club. I'll tell you something there, Dane. I, I like what Rick was saying about Patrick Reed. This guy's in every tournament. Like, it doesn't matter. He goes. He, he went over yeah. to jet lag. He flew over to Europe. He finished strong there. Another top five, five performance. But there's a lot of good guys. And you said it. Right now, we're talking about uh, 16 of the top 20 players in the world are going to be here this week. So, and hmm. DJ's got COVID. So, yes, right. it, it is going to be a good time event. The winner gets $1.44 million. It's a nice chunk of change. Guys want to be there. And the elite, are, uh, the elite of the golf world are there. It's a very interesting course, Dane. We talk about this sets up we talk about bombers short ball hitters right take a look at the guys that have won in the past you've had bombers like tiger woods in his prime and you've had short ball hitters graham mcdowell twice guys who are great with the irons and plotting so when you look at the metrics of the tournament i'm more of a field guy but i still take a look at you know what's happening and uh, and the percentages Iron play, obviously, is the most important this week. Your second shot on the par fours, you got to get close proximity to the hole. Those are guys that are going to do well. And Patrick Reed, he checks all the boxes. He's not in my six-pack, Dane, but I'll tell you, it's a Jack Nicholas course. Very, very short, though. For a par 72, yeah. it's just over 7,000 yards. Most of the PGA tracks, you know, over 73. So it's a little uh, bit shorter. That'll help some guys uh, who, who aren't, like, necessarily big ball hitters. Par fives, you have two You have two ways to approach it. You can either take a chance and just smash like a wood and get in there and have lots of eagle opportunities, or you can be a plotter, you know, maybe hit something a little bit less off the tee, go in with an iron and set up a perfect yardage for yourself 
with angles. Angles, iron play, a lot of different ways you can attack this course. So uh, a lot of people, when I've looked at the past champions, like VJ in his prime, he hit it big, Tiger. But Graham McDowell, Jim Furyk hits it nowhere. So we've had precision players, Furyk McDowell, Bombers like Tiger, but Tiger was great at everything back then, right, Dane? Two thousand eleven. Sure, I mean, that that, that Tiger that would out, you, yeah. He, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he 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 a great iron, great driving, everything. But right. I'm saying a lot of different types of golfers can win this week. That is interesting. I'm very excited to hear what your six-pack is then, Cam. When you talk about guys that can get it around the course kind of in a straight way, I think about guys that are lower on the board, maybe like a Matsuyama, for goodness sakes, at 33-1. to But I'm not the expert in golf. You are. So, Cam, give me the six-pack. (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes I am, and I'll tell you, man. I just a tip, you, Cam. Just, just, just a tip for everyone too. If you like gamble, have, have some money left in the account for emergency situations on Sunday. I had Russell Henley leading by three shots going in there, and I knew oh. a couple of the guys like Shifley was going to be there, and Jason Kokrak was playing good golf. So when you have to hedge out of a tournament, say you're going to win eighteen hundred, even getting four or five hundred extra dollars sure. back is is a good in thing. So market. have something in the kitty because I'll tell you, Dana, I had all my money tied up in football because football's on Sunday and golf ends on Sunday it's a problem so just a tip to have a little bit of extra bread but the I'm going to start with Ty Hatton uh, at 20 to 1 on FanDuel this guy you want to talk about Patrick Reed how about Ty Hatton the guy flew all around the world he won his last European event then he came back and finished and almost won this week he was he was right there so another top five Ty Hatton he has every type of game you need for there he's straight he's long he's a good putter and I think he's one of the best picks I, I understand why Rick went with Reed, if I and I'm gonna counter that with Ty, Ty Hatton. Next, we're gotcha. gonna go. Oh, 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 oh no, the, the one man who let me down last week. Come on, Wolfie. <laughs> what did you do to us last week? He played like junk, and that's what happens. One guy in the chalk always did didn't work out for us, Dane. But this is what we do when we want more Akawa and Simpson coming on the show. We get a better number due to due to recency bias, right? Oh, right. Wolf can't be playing that well. You know, he was in the right. twenty. Now he's thirty-three to one, and he also grew up on this course. For people that don't know, he's played it ten thousand times. He said in his interview, hmm. he's thirty-three to one. Now we're going to go with a friend of the program that just keeps on getting top tens and making us money. Joaquin Neiman, underrated. People don't talk about him, but FanDuel knows about him now. I'm not getting him at that fifty to one range. He's thirty-four, but I can't get off his train because he is consistently finding top tens and knocking on the door he's getting really close going with another brit on the tail end tommy fleetwood at 40 to 1 fleetwood's had some rest i think this course will really play to his strength he is a great iron hitter like and that's the thing he can go really low at this type of event the question is the putting tommy's a real streaky guy hot and cold if he's hot this week i really like our situation now we got to give you two bombs dane brian Harmon, the georgia bulldog (laughs) another guy that showed up for us as our bomb last week and he is the type of game like Graham McDowell's was one here before. He just gets it around and he's very, very straight. He's very good with his irons. And again, putting, that's the main thing. Why did Jason Kokrak win? He led in all categories. That was his first week he was top 10 in putting. That's why he won last week. Putting is a big key for a lot of these guys for breaking down the door and winning for the first time. Tommy Fleetwood, 40 to 1. He will be there this week, Dan. I got to have faith in them. Uh, Sorry, I was talking about Brian Harmon. And one more guy, Alex Norin, the Swede, at 150 to 1. A little sprinkle job, but my four horses, Hatton, oh, Wolf, 33, Neiman, 34, and Tommy Fleetwood at 40. A little sprinkle with Brian Harmon and Alex Norin, my friend. 
That sounds good. When you talk about the four horsemen, I wonder where Arn Anderson is in the mix there. But that's a different Love Anderson. for a different day, right? Listen, I yeah. also, we're talking about the Zozo Championship. I do want to look a little bit down the road. The Masters mm-hmm. is only three weeks away, right? It's going to be in early November instead of early April. I wonder what the course looks like and if it's a little bit different. But is there anybody that you would want to get ahead of on the Masters? I submit one idea. I saw a Huge name, Cam, in the Masters yep. odds at 41 to 1 for the Masters. A guy who I know only cares about the majors at this point of his career. Jordan Spieth, Cam, is 41 to 1. If he's going to win anywhere, if he's going to win anywhere, it's at Augusta. But right. I will say this. His form is so bad right now, it's almost shocking. Like, he, he, he's actually in a really bad place. He's watching his yeah. friend Justin Thomas. They both went to the University of Texas. Thomas is one of the best golfers in the world, and Jordan Spieth can't hit it straight. He hits it like me, left, right, left, right, left, right, army golf. He doesn't know what he's doing. His putting is still good, but he still can't. He's grinding for pars. I will say this, though. I got to give you somebody. There's a guy that does well at Augusta, that's like sneaky, and you got to get him now. I actually thought I'd get him more. Bubba Watson. This course is made for left-handers. Mike Weir, the Canadian one. Bubba Watson a couple times. Watch out. Bubba Watson with those dogleg lefts. He can play any shot there. He has the length. And dang, quietly, he's been racking up top tens, and nobody's really talking about him because the golf world talks about Rom and DJ and Morikawa and all these other guys. Veteran Bubba Watson at 33-1 to on FanDuel should be bet now because if he keeps this form it'll go down to 20 by master's time listen and i'm always down to see a pink driver getting swung on sunday don't worry about that uh, we only got a minute left so real quick what is the difference of a, a playing a course in november as opposed to april uh, I would prefer, I would think, be long ball hitters, right? Like yeah. the ground, when it's hot, bakes. So those drives will run out like an extra 30, 35 okay. yards. Guys like DeChambeau, like 50 yards. So now with the dew point and the cold, like yeah. I would have to prefer a longer ball hitter there because a small guy, like you're going to be going in with some heavy, Especially like going out three irons day, instead right? of instead of seven irons. Yes. And it also helps yeah. the afternoon wave. Great call. Right. The guys in the morning with the, with the temperatures are going to have to hit a lot more higher, you know, a lot more drivers, a lot yeah. more hybrids, three irons. That's a problem, right? right? So it's going to be, it's going to be easier for the guys in the afternoon, Dane. All right, so definitely we will keep our eye out on that. And there's a couple of weeks, whether it's the six-pack for the Zozo or getting ahead of the game for the Masters, that's why you listen to Rick on Golf on Demand and my guy, the Raging Redhead. Cam, stick around for a couple minutes. We'll talk NFL Week 7. Cool? You got it, brother. Let's Let's rock. Let's do it, the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. And let me tell you something. We are going to put the fun and functional sports content because I got my man Joe Pizapia back and the Raging Redhead (laughs) sticks with us to talk a little bit of NFL. Here's what I would love both of your takes on, okay? And unfortunately, we have to go to this piss-poor division that is the (laughs) NFC. I am intrigued by Thursday Night Football, though, the Giants and the Eagles, and here's why. Call me crazy. But 
I believe the Giants can win on Thursday because Philly is so banged up, okay? And if you believe that, you see the graphic right here. The Giants are plus 850 to win the NFC East. And I know what we're talking about, right? We're talking relatively speaking. Yes, remember how I started that this was a piss-poor division? Can 6-9-1 and one maybe get you to the playoffs? Sure. But let's suspend disbelief here. If you think the Giants can beat a hampered, compromised Eagles team down I-95 on Thursday, which I believe is definitely plausible, why not just take the Giants at plus 850 to win the division? If they get that win standing at 2-5, and five, I'm willing to throw the Cowboys out. Wouldn't the Giants almost be in the catbird seat? Aren't they almost more healthy, at least with some stability at quarterback? Call me crazy, Cam, but under the assumption, if I like the Giants to win Thursday, right, why not just get the plus yeah. 850 to win the division, even if it is 6-10, and 7-9? and nine? What do you think, Cam? No, I have no problem with that. It's so what we talked about with the World Series. If you like Tampa Bay, mm. you know, why wouldn't you just – they're not going to beat the Dodgers in four or five. You get to like six and eight to one, so you take them in game six or game seven. I feel the exact same way about the Giants. I still think, Dane, when everything's said and done, the Eagles will win. They'll find a way to grind out the division. Uh, but but it, it, it's like when you talk about value and number, that really – and we throw I throw the V word around way too much. Hey, everybody, let, let's right. talk about I value. Do. Value doesn't mean anything when it doesn't win, but that is a good number – in a really bad division, Dane. And as for the game, I'll tell you, FanDuel's got the hook at four and a half with, with the Giants right now. I was going to wait. Yeah. No, I think I'll just take it now because I'm not sure. I, I like it over four. I think they hang around. If the Eagles win, I think it's like a late uh, Elliott field goal in that game. The G-men can compete with these guys. It's a divisional game. Sign me up with the Giants. If I think they can win outright, I'll take the points. Joe, you want to sign on to this? Sign I do, on, Joe. Uh, I actually <laughs> do. Make it three for three, baby. I love this. Look, I, I actually said this just yesterday on a podcast. I said, "Don't look now." But if the Giants win, and I kept saying, I said it to you in hour one. I said, "This is a playoff game here for the Giants yeah. and the Eagles right yep. now. This is a playoff game. This is basically to win the division, possibly because you kind of are in the driver's seat." And look, if you handle your business another time against Washington, you have a win here against the Eagles, who have already, by the way, lost to Washington. Let's just keep it real here and realize that. The Giants have played okay defensively. Mm -hmm. You know, they actually kept it close with the Rams a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. The Giants yes, might not be as bad as everybody realizes. Now, without Saquon, it's not really good. But as much value as there is on this line at the 850, how about this minus 105 for the Cowboys? Can we wrap our minds around that? And that that's is ridiculous. a disaster. Can I tell you something, oh. Joe? When I also shopped around, right, I see that. You know there's like make-mix playoffs? <laughs> and the Dallas Cowboys are minus 110 on both sides to make or miss the playoffs. Yet they're minus 105 to win the division in the NFC East. It makes absolutely <laughs> no sense to me. And you guys are right. I agree with you. If... And, you know, this is like the law of syllogism. If A, then B. If B, then C. That means if A, then C. If the Giants win this game, they will have two division wins, something nobody else in the division can say. However, I do want to turn our attention to, like, we're trying to make hay of under 500 teams and how to still bet them. I want to talk yep. about two 
undefeated teams that will play each other on Sunday in the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans. This is intriguing to me. We saw, Cam, earlier Joe and I discussed that right now it's at like two and a half or three. You got to watch for that hook. It is moving. So I want to ask you two things, Cam. One, would you try to get it in now, beat the hook? How do you see that one going? And specifically with Devin Bush down on one side of that Pittsburgh Steelers defense, but Taylor Lewan down at left tackle for the Tennessee Titans offense and run game. How do you see those absences playing out? How do you see this big time AFC matchup, Cam? Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a great one. And let's give Tannehill some props because you know we talk about this stuff. The guy was a receiver at Texas A&M, and now yeah. you're an NFL quarterback <laughs> succeeding. Like that's what people forget. Like this guy's a special athlete. Hey, and the system helps him too. It's great when you have Henry. As for Pittsburgh, look at the weapons that they have too. We talk about Chase Claypool. He's stepping up. Everybody, just the receiving core is just gonna give the Tennessee Titans nightmares in this game. Big Ben Roethlisberger looks fantastic. Mike Tomlin, the positive attitude about COVID. Dad, yeah, don't worry about the bye week we're just going to murder anybody that we play anyway that's the right attitude to have and Pittsburgh right now I think they have the weapons and horses to go in it's minus two and a half money line I guess you you could do that Dane if you don't mind the juice but I think Pittsburgh is going to uh, beat Tennessee in that game Tennessee played with fire and got very very lucky uh, to, to beat Houston that game too remember that uh, winning in overtime when you got a four and a half point dog that's so frustrating but I just right. look at the weapons that Pittsburgh has and well, and people don't talk about enough. Mika Fitzpatrick, when he came over from the Dolphins, guy's always good for a pick six. Very underrated move at the time. Like, no one talks about that. The guy's been fantastic with this team. They have a great attitude. They're taking on the attitude of their coach. And I will say this, I, I think they can get, get it done on the road against Tennessee. Should be a classic game. If they stop the run, they're going to murder the Titans. Hey, Joe, I want to well, ask you about these yeah, guys. Yeah, that's the problem, though, right, Cam? I mean, yes, how do you exactly. Derrick Henry? I mean, <laughs> uh, especially in the fourth quarter game. I don't know about you guys. I'm not standing I'm not in front of that, I'm trying to get in front of that. Man. Nah. I'm no, trying to no, no, no. receive it for Carson Wentz. And this is the whole I'm thing. I'm trying to tackle Derrick Henry. <laughs> No, and, and this is the one thing you're not getting right now, I think, when you're when you're looking at this line. I think you do wait for the hook. You wait for the three and you take mm. Tennessee, and here's why. Because Derrick Henry, because in the fourth quarter, they haven't faced anybody like this before. Look, they, the Pittsburgh Steelers have played well, and they've beaten all the teams they're supposed to beat, right? But have they played a team that is as athletic and mobile sometimes on offense as this team? I don't know if they have. And they've done a really good job here. Uh, I think the Tennessee Titans, they beat the Buffalo Bills, who looked like just awesome sauce going into that game, and all of a sudden, well, they win that one. And then you come out there and beat Houston, and look, Houston's kind of going for broke right now, and those teams are dangerous when they've got nothing to lose, and they're just playing all over the place and throwing the ball and slinging the ball. Those have become very difficult teams to beat. Even though they're not good teams, they become very frustrating, and they're the ones that do push you to overtime. I got to say, Mike Vrabel, I'm so impressed with. Last year, that run that they had in the playoffs was not mm. a joke. It was not a fluke. No. You're realizing it right now. Yeah. And I do think that, like, Cam, Pittsburgh will probably win this football game, but I would be shocked if Tennessee did not keep this thing tight. I really do. And, and I think Tennessee yeah. can do that, and especially late in this game. I want to see that Pittsburgh defense try to stop Derrick Henry because so far it's October, it's Derrick Henry season, and nobody seems to be able to do it. Yeah, you bring up good points, you know. Joe. You got me. You got me thinking. Oh, well, it's early, guys. Wait for the it's three, early. baby. Wait it's for the three. Don't it. worry. It's early. That's why we made exactly. wait. But I could see this being right a quarterback with the ball in their hands at the very end in a one-score game. So maybe the three points is enough in this one. I want to get you guys' thoughts on two teams that face off this week. It's also a kind of watch for the hook a little bit. I see right now the New England Patriots are two and a half point favorites at home against. 
against the San Francisco 49ers. Cam, I'll ask you this. Which of these two starting quarterbacks do you have more faith in moving forward in this offense? I have no idea what to make of Jimmy Garoppolo. I do not know if he is good or not. I honestly don't as of yet. But guess what? Bill Belichick probably does, and he will be scheming against Jimmy Garoppolo this weekend. On the other side, Cam Newton. I was very impressed, Cam, when I saw Cam Newton lose to your Seahawks because it showed me that he could (laughs) sling it and the Patriots would have the left hand and the right hand. I didn't see Mm -hmm. that, though, against Denver last week, and that's what causes me concern for these Patriots moving forward. Who do you like in this one, San Fran or New England? Who will look more like themselves on Sunday? Probably New England, and I'll tell you, after the way they played against Denver, remember we did the early show on Sunday, Dane, and I like Denver in that game, and uh, they they almost threw it away late with Locke and the mistakes that they made, but getting that uh, seven points was nice. Here's the thing. That's Bill Belichick will have a scheme. He knows everything about Jimmy G. Jimmy G, we get good Jimmy G and horrible Jimmy G. He showed up against the Rams in that game. He made throws when he needed to. Uh, you know, when Mostert got hurt too, he still he he found his tight end, big George Kittle yeah. for the touchdown. He did he did good things. He made the throws where Goff in that game didn't. As for Cam Newton, very disappointing. Let's talk about it. He didn't have time to practice with the COVID and the situation. And it, okay. it was obviously the timing was off, especially in the first three quarters of that game. I gotta take New England and Bill. Belichick after a performance like that at home they will have a scheme and a plan to stop Garoppolo I I lean I lean New England right now guys I would have to I I just don't expect this team to have two bad games in a row and I think Cam will be better Cam (laughs) Teddy Cam for me hey Joe what do you think what is the Cincinnati uh, excuse me the San Francisco 49ers who are they is it a hangover is it just that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't that bad great is it the defense is a little compromised is it all of the above where do they fit into this somewhat competitive NFC West. It's all of the above. It is. Yeah. And uh, let me let me tell you, the Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. If you think it's not, go back and look at the stats. After uh, Cam Newton went 15-1 and and then lost the Super Bowl, he was terrible that next year. When it, Matt Ryan went out and they blew that lead right with the Atlanta Falcons, he threw for a, season, a, a career-low 20 touchdowns the next year. The only two players to bounce back after having losing Super Bowls, basically, are two guys. It's Russell Wilson and Tom Brady in the last decade plus. And those guys both won Super Bowls before they lost them. So if you think this isn't a real thing, again, just go look at the Rams last year and they get back to me about the year before when they lost to the Pats. Right. I agree with Cam. I think they will be better this week. They will scheme for Garoppolo. To answer your question, Jimmy G is not a good quarterback. Sorry. I'm just going to put it out there. He, he is, he is, he's not. And I've watched enough Jimmy Garoppolo in my life as a Pats fan and watching football to know that. He has moments where he's able to execute things well in the Kyle Shanahan game plan. But not having Mostert in this game is huge, I think, for them. Uh, and I don't think it's going to travel well, and I think it's going to continue to slide for uh, San Francisco. Uh, them being the Rams last week, who was one of the most inconsistent teams in football, sorry, color me not impressed by that. 49ers going on the road to New England, coming off a loss where they're embarrassed. New England losing two games in a row at home, uh, that's a tricky thing right now. That's not something I'm looking to wager on. But there's a bigger systematic problem with the Patriots, and it's the hubris of not being able to bring in big-time, talented guys. They've always gotten by with execution, right? <clears throat> they bring in players and they execute. And you could do that with Tom Brady. You could do that maybe in a couple years ago the NFL. 
I don't think you can live that way now and win games in the NFL. You do not have a playmaker behind the backfield. You do not have a playmaker at tight end. You do not have a playmaker at wide receiver. You cannot continue to function like this as an organization. I know it worked in the past. That's the past. It's time to catch up. They need to address it via trade. They need to address it via free agency and via the draft because enough is enough. They need playmakers. It's what they don't have, and you can't rely on Cam Newton to make every single play all the time. Yeah, I, hubris. I I like it, Joe. Yeah, I feel like we're back early in the morning here. Where are we reading, Macbeth? Yes. Let's bring out the sources bright and early in the morning. We only got a minute minute and a half left. Cam, I want to ask you about one more game real quick. Panthers Saints Mm -hmm. in the NFC South. I'm a believer in the butler, the white glove service of Teddy Bridgewater. I think that that offense is not the problem. Him, Matt Rule, Joe Brady, they bring in Robbie Anderson, who's been a revelation. I believe Mike Davis even has a role somewhat moving forward. Can they get the job done or at least hang within the seven and a half against New Orleans this week? Yeah, it's a big hook. And here's the thing about the Saints. You saw that game against the Chargers, and we talk about Drew Brees. He's dinking and dunking it down the field right, right now. I still think there's an internal problem with the Saints. Slip Carolina, boy sure, you lost. Michael Thomas, slip yeah, boy it's comes true. Back. Yeah, you lost, you, lost, you lost to the Bears, but Carolina's going to give you that type of effort every week under Matt Rule. I think that hook is big. I think if the Saints win, they win by a touchdown. I will, at this mm. point, take Carolina. They can hang with anybody. You're right, Dane. The defense, once they figure this thing out, they're going to be a very scary football team. Teddy Bridgewater, I know he didn't get it done last week, but one of the best quarterbacks, ATS, if not the, when you really yep. break it down, and we're getting a lot of points. Give me the Panthers. <laughs> Mean cats. <laughs> yeah, I think Panthers are absolutely interesting. Remember, they spent every draft pick last year yeah. on the defensive side of the ball, and I think they just need to do it again next year. And maybe yeah. when Matt Ryan goes away, when Drew Brees goes away, when Tom Brady goes away, they might be set up in that division. Thanks, as always, for spending a couple of minutes with us, Cam. Joe and I will put Have a, a nice one, guys. little bow on this episode of The Early Line when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Right here on to the early line. We thank everybody who joined the show today. Joe Lisi, Cam Stewart, and... Joe Pizapia for coming on and stepping in. We went to the lefty or the righty. I don't know which one you are, but you know, enter Sandman (laughs) is playing and we appreciate it. Here's what I need, Joe. Because I've had this conversation with Kevin and he's given me his perspective. I need someone else I trust to talk me off the ledge with the New York Jets, Joe. I'm a big time Mm. Jets fan. Uh, I believe disappointment is a function of expectation, right? My expectation was not for the Jets to go to the playoffs this year. It was for them to develop Sam Darnold so that he could be an ascending quarterback. Now, that is not happening, right? It's a complete dumpster fire in New York. What do you see as the future? Because I know they're going to fire Gaze. I know they're going to have a top pick. And I wonder about Sam Darnold, who I believe can still be an NFL quarterback, but you're going to have, you know, Justin Fields and and, and Trevor Lawrence and even Davis Mm -hmm. out there and Tasty. What does a new head coach and new regime do with this dumpster fire? Well, look, you turn the page is what you do, but uh, I think, Even you know, uh, I, 
I, here's the thing. I think you do, and I think it's actually the perfect storm of things coming together for you for once. And uh, I consider myself the quarterback guru, you know, like that's okay. my thing in the black book, right? I always study the quarterback position. Okay. Sam Darnold throws a good ball. Sam Darnold has some talent. Sam Darnold played well in college. Sam Darnold has been a a disaster because of what's been around him for the most part. Yeah. And I don't think you can have any young quarterback of any talent function in this capacity. Just take a look at Ryan Tannehill. This time last year, Ryan Tannehill was backing up Marcus Mariota. Okay. Right. Think about yeah. where we're talking about Ryan Tannehill now about, well, he's got a chance to go out there and beat the Steelers. Right. And he went yeah. almost to the AFC championship game and all these things. Right. So here's the perspective. I see that same kind of career path where if you can get him somewhere else and look, you can still get some, I would say a decent traffic. You can get a second or third round pick. I guarantee you the Chicago bears would be a team sure. that right now. is looking From like Chicago, hey, maybe Atlanta. Can. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of teams out there right now. They could look at a hmm. Sam Darnold and say, we could get this guy for a second-round pick or even a third-round right. pick maybe. And look, it's good for the Jets, too. More picks rebuild everything. You start fresh. You get rid of Gase. You get rid of the quarterback. You get rid of the GM. You bring in Lawrence. You bring a new regime. Maybe it's a enemy, Maybe it's somebody else. And you turn the page. And look, you cash in on Sam Darnold. Get what you can for him. And Sam Darnold is better off for it. And hopefully the Jets yeah. are, too. I guess. It's just I feel like I'm in perpetual rebuilding mode, right? I just did that to get picks for Jamal Adams, for goodness sakes. And now I got to do that with the only other Jet that's selling jerseys anywhere. Sam, I am. Well, I wish him well because I don't think he'll be wearing green and white after around January or February. Thanks, Joe, for stepping in. The morning after is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 